Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a pretty rough few days for the Biden family. In addition to the president's plummeting poll numbers, First Lady Jill Biden is now under fire for insensitive comments made about Hispanic Americans. And new images and videos are showing the depths of the depravity of first son, Hunter Biden. Seems like it's about time that we as Americans face the fact that the Biden family is pretty awful. Take a look at this in tonight's Home Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. The gaffe that Jill Biden made at the Latinx uh, conference down in uh, San Antonio, Texas, is not surprising when you think about the fact that Jill Biden is being deployed here as someone 
who has no background or expertise in politics whatsoever to try to bolster the image of the Biden administration on political issues, mind you. She's not running a school lunch campaign here. She's very much weighing into things like gun control and equal rights for women, and, uh, and by that they mean abortion, of course, all kinds of things uh, where she is speaking and uh, giving voice to the Democrat talking points. But she had a little bit of a situation um, because in her efforts to pander, remember she's at the Latinx Inclusion, spelled with an X, conference, Inclusion, and here she is telling everybody that is assembled there that the Hispanic community is unique, like breakfast tacos. But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, <laughs> is your strength. Yes, the whole community of Hispanics in America is, as the First Lady says, as unique as the breakfast tacos of San Antonio. Uh, it would be hard to think of a more out of touch way the First Lady tries to show her connection to the Hispanic community here. She could have just showed up and said, hey everybody, thanks for assembling today. Wish you all the best, here to help, want to do great things for you. You know, the usual boilerplate, but instead she got a little bit creative, or her staff rather did. Speaking of creativity, Marco Rubio, Senator from Florida, put this out, new profile pic, saying, ah yes, as unique as a taco. So a lot of people were having some fun with this one because obviously it was a weird thing to say. Also that she would say bogedas um, instead of, uh, bo bogedas instead of uh, bodega, just goes to show once again is the first lady who I don't think she's ever been in a bodega, and she has any idea, but it's just inauthentic. It just came across the whole thing as pandering and kind of silly. Press Secretary of the First Lady, Michael LaRosa, tweeted out, the First Lady apologized that her words conveyed anything but pure admiration and love for the Latino community. So the usual apology there. Um, no, look, that's not a big deal. I just want to say it was funny more than anything else because... This is Democrats looking to the First Lady to make it seem like the Biden administration has it together, and no, that didn't really work so well here. Um, but then there's more serious things the Biden family has also been up to, and we've seen from them in recent days, notably the president himself, who told this story in order to try to create an emotional appeal for very permissive abortion laws. If you listen to Democrats, they want abortion for any or no reason for all nine months of a pregnancy. So Joe Biden tells this horrific story of a 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio who could not get an abortion in her state. Watch. Just last week, it was reported that a 10-year-old girl was a rape victim in Ohio, 10 years old. And she was forced to have to travel out of the state to Indiana to seek to terminate the presidency and maybe save her life. That's last part is my judgment. 10 years old, 10 years old, raped, six weeks pregnant, already traumatized, was forced to travel to another state. Imagine being that little girl. Just, I'm, I'm serious, just imagine being that little girl, 10 years old. 
He's yelling about it. He's doing his angry Biden thing. The problem is what he says there is a lie. This wouldn't be illegal in the state of Ohio. There would be no prohibition on her getting an abortion. So why is he saying that? It's not true. And then there's also the issue of, is the story itself true? Apparently not, at least not based on the latest reporting. This is from the Daily Mail. Biden's claim that a 10-year-old rape victim was forced to travel across state lines to get an abortion is called into question by the Washington Post as it emerges the doctor behind it is a prominent abortion advocate. Now you could say, well, that's circumstantial. Maybe it's a true story, even though it just so happens that the person who originated this story is a major supporter of the most extreme pro-abortion positions. You could say maybe that's a coincidence, but then there's this as well. The Ohio Attorney General, Dave Yost, speaking out to say that, one, the 10-year-old girl would not have to leave Ohio to get treatment, and also he knows nothing about this case. Watch. Can I correct something that everybody's reporting wrong nationally? Sure. Ohio's heartbeat law has a medical emergency exception, uh, broader than just the life uh, of the mother. Uh, she, th- this young girl, if she exists and if this horrible thing actually happened to her, breaks my heart to think about it, she did not have to leave Ohio to find treatment. So even if the story is true, and right now there are a lot of questions as to whether this even happened, even if the story were true, it would not be true that Ohio criminalizes that uh, young girl getting an abortion in that particular instance. So Joe Biden lied, or he's not smart enough to know what the actual laws are that he's complaining about, but either way, this is an issue. And then, speaking of Bidens, there's Hunter Biden. Daily Mail again. Hunter Biden could face prostitution charges for transporting hookers across state lines and disguising checks to them as payments for medical services. The uh, first son spent $30,000 in five months on the, quote, girlfriend experience. Hunter Biden is somebody who, it's hard to, it's hard to think that anyone could have this many, um, this many personal demons that they let run completely out of control and create all these legal liabilities for him. Somehow he's never getting prosecuted for anything, it seems, even though this was all illegal activity. In the Daily Mail, some of Hunter's hooker payments came just hours after he received thousands of dollars from his father. So there is also here the possibility, at least, that we have to take it as a possibility uh, that Hunter Biden may have been paying for hookers with money he got from his dad, Joe Biden, who is now the president of the United States. Um, and there are also videos and pictures that show Hunter helping transport prostitutes over state lines, which is a potential federal offense. But the biggest issue here with Hunter Biden is that he is just the most obvious manifestation of the Biden crime family, that they sell influence, that they break the law, that they engage in not just morally, but legally reprehensible behavior that does affect this country. This is not just one-off minor things uh, that affect the individual. Hunter was selling access to his dad, obviously, to corrupt Ukrainian and, yes, even Chinese businessmen. So that's very much an issue for the American people to be concerned about. The whole Biden family, quite a mess. We'll have more on this with the First TV's TNLO in a moment. But first, let's talk about the newest sponsor on Hold the Line, Off Grid Panama. A lot of you are worried about the reported food shortages and power outages headed our way. You're not alone. 
If you look at the skyrocketing cost of energy and food prices going through the roof, we're certainly headed in the wrong direction. Many are choosing to go off-grid. When you think of going off-grid, you think of living in the mountains somewhere, perhaps far away from civilization. But now there's a safe option for going totally off-grid in Panama, Central America, and a modern home starts at only $100,000. These homes are fully set up on a self-sustaining farm with all of your needs met right on the property. Panama offers a stable government, cost-effective, high-quality medical care, and a fantastic climate. There are only 24 homes being offered in the community, so reach out to them quickly at offgridpanama.com or call them now at 904-236-4737. That website again is offgridpanama.com or 904-236-4737. Be patient, leave a message. We think this is going to sell out quickly, and they call everyone back within 24 hours. Gina Lowe, up next. Stay with us. referring to mm-hmm. pro tip when speaking to Hispanics really really avoid any comparisons to tacos enchiladas chimichangas alcapurrias yeah. Well, yeah. when a democrat has lost the ladies of the view which is probably the dumbest show on television safe to say that something's wrong first lady isn't the first biden to offer up some insensitive uh, comments about minority groups who can forget this moment from senator joe biden back then in 2009 you cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. So fully, am I, I'm not joking. Yeah, classic Joe Biden there. Join me now, commentary writer for the Washington Examiner and contributor here at the First TV, Tina Lowe. Tina, good to see you. Hey, Buck. Are you ready to go to the Bogota after work? That was my favorite bit from Joe Biden's entire um, likening her fellow Latinx friends to uh, various items familiar to Hispanic neighborhoods with calling a bodega a bogota. If we were trying to come up with uh, elitist white liberal woman panders disastrously to Hispanic community, I don't think we would have done a better job than that one minute or so clip that everyone's seen where she talks about the diversity of breakfast tacos in San Antonio and, as you said, refers to Bogodas, which makes it clear to me, I don't think she's ever been to a bodega before. I think she has no idea. No, she's never been to a bodega because I don't know if she's ever been anywhere outside of, you know, these upper crust suburbs of D.C. and Delaware. The fact is that the base of the Democratic Party, if you look at at where they've seen the most consistent growth, are college-educated white women. Working-class white men have turned away from the Democratic Party and now we are seeing Hispanics turn away in, gro- in droves, in part because of adopting language like Latinx or Latinx or however the hell you pronounce it, because that's what the name of this of this conference was. It used a double X at one point to replace some letter, because now apparently any letter that isn't X is transphobic or sexist or whatever. At this point, I don't even think you and I can keep up. But the fact is, is that the working class and specifically the Latino working class is just no longer a priority of the Democratic Party. If it were, they wouldn't have pumped an extra $2 trillion into the economy after a historically long period of near zero or at zero interest rates. Because the fact is is that right now this economy is hitting the working class the hardest. So what does Joe Biden do? She has to go virtue signal and she has to go liken Latino Americans to tacos. So good win for the Biden administration. Now that you have the younger Biden also performing these 
really yes, they, they called react. it. They called it the inclusion. I guess it's inclusion uh, with an X in it conference. Yes. So the Latin X inclusion uh, conference. What's remarkable to me is that you have all the polling of the Hispanic community. I know I'm so old school. I'll refer to it as the Hispanic community or the Latino community. Uh, shows they don't like this term, and not not Republican Hispanic voters or Republican Hispanic individuals don't like this term, but Democrats do. None of them like it. But white liberals who work at the top of the Democrat Party and work for the legacy media, the big legacy media outlets, insist on it anyway. What, what is that all about? It's again, it all comes down to what are people talking about in the dorm common rooms at Oberlin and Vassar, not what are they talking about in the Rio Grande Valley and what are they talking about in South Florida? You know, Republicans have always cleaned up pretty handily with the, uh, with the Cuban expat community, but now we are seeing those Hispanic Americans who are on the border, they are the ones voting in droves for Republicans. You know, last year you had the mayoral seat of McAllen, Texas, crucial border town, go Republican. We just saw Myra Flores win in South Texas. Um, And we're seeing it because they understand that Democrats' priority right now are what forms of virtue signaling can appease the highly educated activist class, not what improves the bottom line for Latinos. Right now, and not to say that the president of Mexico or the Mexican-Americans represent everyone in in the Latino diaspora. Obviously, they don't. But what is the Mexican president, Obrador, saying today when he meets with Biden? He's bragging about how they have lower gas prices than we do. That's where, you know, the, the international Latino mindset is on, gas prices. What is Biden cared about? And what are, most importantly, because now we, we are seeing the fact that his handlers are more and more digging their claws into what this administration actually does. They are cared about things like using Latinx. They are cared about virtue signaling. By the way, uh, switching gears here for a second, Tina, there's been a little bit of uh, back and forth between the former president, Donald Trump, and Elon Musk, the richest man in the world. Uh, This was interesting. Here is Trump calling Elon Musk a BS artist. Watch. Elon is not going to buy Twitter. Where did you hear that before? From me. From a fake account. She says fake. A lot of them. Nah, he's got himself a mess. You know, he said the other day, oh, I've never voted for a Republican. I said, I didn't know that. He told me he voted for me. So he's another bull artist, but he's not going to be buying it. Elon responded on Twitter, of course. I don't hate the man, but it's time for Trump to hang up his hat and sail into the sunset. Dems should also call off the attack. Don't make it so that Trump's only way to survive is to regain the presidency. What do you make of all this? So I don't, I know that I might be in the minority here, but I do sort of agree with Elon. If, if by age alone, I do think there's a generation of us, right, who would like a president who, you know, has living memory of how this century actually works, rather than people like Donald Trump and Joe Biden, who came of age in just a different era and Old dogs are not great at learning new tricks. But fundamentally, what is this? It's sort of a pissing match between two billionaires. Uh, Trump had, does have a vested financial interest in truth social remaining dominant. And, you know, I think that Elon Musk would, would make Twitter probably a, 
on the day-to-day -day usage just a lot more usable because Elon Musk is first and foremost a businessman and he's also a tech guy. He knows how to make these things better. And Twitter has been kind of a bit of a disaster, especially in the last half decade in terms of not just content moderation, but just sheer usability, user interface and whatnot. You think that Elon the at the end of all this Twitter, is actually going to, is he going to own Twitter when all said and done? Well, a hostile takeover like this, it hasn't really been done in a long time where a court has forced someone to take ownership. At the end of the day, what can you do? You can't put someone in prison for refusing to own something, right? And we don't know exactly what the legalese was. But I think it's very much just a matter of dollars and cents. When Elon was negotiating this, it was before the market really began to tumble. Since then, his you know net worth has tumbled by right a few billion dollars, a not insignificant amount. I think it's something like $60 billion his net worth has tumbled from since, since before this Twitter thing started. If he has to liquidate some of his control of Tesla, he's not going to do that. He's rich enough where he can just pay the $1 billion fee if he wants to walk away from this to Twitter. He is not going to divest from Tesla. He is not going to liquidate holdings of SpaceX. Those are his babies. Twitter, can, he can afford to make Twitter a vanity project. He cannot afford to release control of SpaceX or of Tesla. So remains to be seen because honestly, we don't know the legalese behind this deal. If I were a betting woman, I would say he's not in control of Twitter in two years from now. Maybe he has to hold on to it nominally and then let it go. But I do not think he is going to want to in a recessionary period, because that's what we are in, take on the capital in order to take Twitter private. Tina. I wish he would, but I hope I'm wrong. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. The intensity of America's political divide seems to be growing by the day, but could it boil over into a civil conflict? Author and townhall.com senior columnist Kurt Schlichter has some opinions on that and a new book out. He joins us next. Right now, let's talk about my friends at My Patriot Supply. If you need more proof that we're going to have massive food shortages in the very near future, here it is. Many American farmers have announced that they don't have enough fertilizer because of global supply chain breakdowns. As everybody knows, without fertilizer, you can't grow food. You'd expect to see prolonged food shortages and sky-high prices for the next year, at least. What can you do to avoid this nightmare and protect your family? It's easy. Just visit preparewithbuck.com. At preparewithbuck.com, you'll find a special offer. Get $150 off a three-month supply of long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Get one kit for each person in your family. Each My Patriot Supply kit has enough food for three solid months per person, providing more than 2,000 calories a day to keep your energy up. So go to preparewithbuck.com today. Save $150 on each three-month kit you require. More food shortages are coming. So take action today. Go to preparewithbuck.com. Kurt Schlichter coming up next. Stay with us. With far-left activists harassing conservative Supreme Court justices in public, firebombing crisis pregnancy centers, and vandalizing churches, the ideological divide between Americans appears combustible. So could the widespread violence mean the nation is on the path toward a dissolution of sorts, perhaps even some kind of civil war or conflict? While the thought of open warfare between Americans is unthinkable to most people, our friend Kurt Schlichter is actually analyzing the topic head on. Over at townhall.com, Kurt writes that while the chance of civil conflict is low, Violence is not only possible, but it has been used by the left as a means of making political change in America in the past. And the evidence is that the left remains 
ideologically open to using violence in the future to achieve its goals. The possibility of civil conflict is just one of the topics Kurt addresses in his new book, We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America, which launches today. You can pick up your copy on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Kurt joins me now to talk about all the stuff. Kurt, what's going on, man? Well, thank you, man. You, you know, it's important that your readers go by We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America, because if they don't, they'll die alone uh, and be eaten by their cats. So that's, that's a powerful incentive. That's a compelling sales pitch, I must say. And well, here, look, here I, we... I like going in different directions. Some people soft sell. I just uh, talk about existential ennui. So there we so go. So how bad? Uh, ooh, French words. Look at you getting fancy over there. I know. How right? well, bad? My wife just came back from Paris. So there we go. How bad does it get, Kurt? Before the we come back part, right? The fall and rise. Uh, so we're falling. How much further do we fall? How bad does this get? Look, I think we're going to do some more falling, but I'm already seeing signs of the backlash. Uh, look at what happened with Glenn Youngkin. That's, uh, 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 that's uh, very inspirational. You know, uh, normal people. See, what, what, what's, what happens to normal people have to get activated. Folks like you, folks like me, folks like most of your listeners, we're woke. We're based. We get it. We see uh, the picture. We know what time it is. But a lot of normal people just don't really want to pay attention to politics. And then they find out, you know, when their kid comes home and goes, Daddy, why are you racist? That's when politics is paying attention to them. And it gets even worse when he comes, you know, little Jimmy comes home and goes, I'm now Julie. Uh, I identify as non-binary. At least that's according to my teacher. Uh, by the way, we're having a drag queen come in and read uh, uh, a storybook to us tomorrow in kindergarten. That's when normal people get motivated. So people are getting motivated. The other thing that is uh, a very, very uh, wonderful is the, uh, the, the whole uh, uh, Latinx change, and I, that is now our word, Latinx, uh, the Latinx change over to conservatism. 50% uh, of Hispanic Americans are now uh, identifying as Republican, which destroys the Democrats because they expected to have this underclass forever that would always vote Democrat and be happy with some scraps off the table, but uh, that didn't work out. And it didn't help that... Uh, uh, you know, the, the the Democrats, you know, used words like Latinx unironically and, of course, uh, addressed uh, Hispanic Americans as, quote, breakfast tacos, which is one of the more bizarre formulations I've ever heard. But I'm not here to question a doctor like Dr. Biden. I think it was as diverse as breakfast tacos, by the way. So right. uh, it's... Mean, what's a breakfast taco anyway? I've heard breakfast burritos. Is that... I? I don't know. I mean, Maybe I'm no, not. You can eat a taco I'm anytime. They're delicious. But how, how worried are you about, because you, you deal with this in your book, which everybody should go and get. Um, how worried are you about things getting more 1968, more violent, politically speaking? Well, Buck, you're right to ask about the late 60s, because in the late 60s, early 70s, the United States actually suffered a low-grade left-wing urban insurgency. Uh, by groups like the Weather Underground, the Black Panthers, and the Symbionese Liberation Army, with bombings and murders. Now, it was handled by a law enforcement response. It wasn't military forces crisscrossing the country. That's the further end of the spectrum. But once you, the, the, the way you get to that spectrum is what we're seeing when, you know, Kavanaugh is trying to eat his wedge salad and his ribeye in Morton's, 
and some nitwit comes up and starts screaming at him and trying to intimidate him. Instead of using persuasion and political processes, he's trying to use fear to, commit, to get a political goal realized. And okay, get in his face, all right? What's the boundary that stops you from slapping his face? And then what's the boundary that stops you from shooting him in the face? There is no, there is no firm boundary. Once you've accept the principle that you can force somebody else to comply to your will, then power is the currency, not, not debate and not reason and not argument. And that's where you get the problem of a potential civil conflict. It's happened and it could happen again. Anytime we talk about even the risk of a civil conflict, it's almost as though the left claims that that is a call for it, saying I'm worried about is somehow tantamount to they want this to happen. Meanwhile, they get to talk about this all the time. New York Times released this report in January. Last month, three retired generals warned the U.S. military needs to start preparing for the possibility of internal breakdown over the 2024 election. Some might follow orders from the rightful commander in chief, while others might follow the Trumpian loser. Under such a scenario, it is not outlandish to say a military breakdown could lead to civil war. So basically, this is the New York Times telling us in January that there are generals who are saying we may have a civil war if the Democrat loses in 2024. Oh, but of course, it's going to be the Trumpian loser's fault. Yeah, of course, the guy on Trump's side, uh, the guy in the wrong. Well, you know, I, I don't have to pretend to respect generals simply because they're generals anymore. And uh, there are a lot of Obama and Bush generals out there who deserve nothing but our contempt. I mean, you got to pity them. They've gone through their entire career and never won a war. Uh, so, you know, they, they probably feel bad about themselves and are trying to make it up. Uh, and they should feel bad about themselves because they've destroyed the United States military. Uh, restoring the military is step one for the Trumpian winner who's going to come along in 2024. Uh, the, 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 I, I, the other question I have is, who are these uh, troops that you guys are going to have follow you to uh, uh, throw out the Trumpian winner uh, when the New York Times declares him illegitimate, like they declare every Republican illegitimate. Who, who, where, where are they going to come from? Is it going to be, you know, somebody from, uh, you know, one of the new people who has special pronouns or is it going to be because normal soldiers, to the extent they remain in the military, aren't going to go for that. And they're not going to follow that kind of leader. I talk about this and a lot of other issues in detail in uh, We'll Be Back, Fall and Rise of America. And uh, you know, when, you, when you go through the thought exercise, it's a, it's a very scary process. Uh, I think at the end, uh, the uh, red forces, for better, you know, to the extent that's a good name for them, uh, will probably prevail. Uh, but it's a very ugly scenario. I have a better idea. How about we try, oh, I don't know, the Constitution? That would be a good idea. That, that seems like a smart idea to me. We, we've been blessed with the greatest political document ever written. Maybe we ought to use it. Seems like a good idea to me, Kurt. You know what else sounds like a good idea? Getting a copy of Kurt's book, We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America, which is out today. Go pick up your copy, folks. Kurt, good luck with the book, man. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for having me, Buck. President Biden will make his first visit to the Middle East this week as Commander-in-Chief. When we come back, the publisher of the New York Sun, David Afoon, gives his insight on the president's coming visit. But first, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. 
With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. You need to check out Secure today. It's your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 to the messenger, only $10 to the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. And use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. President Biden will make his first visit to the Middle East this week as Commander-in-Chief. He'll arrive in Israel tomorrow to kick off his four-day tour, meeting with the country's new prime minister and other top leaders. Despite major criticism, Biden will also make a controversial visit to Saudi Arabia. The president defended his decision in a Washington Post op-ed this weekend, writing... As president, it is my job to keep our country strong and secure. We have to counter Russia's aggression, put ourselves in the best possible position to outcompete China, and work for greater stability in a consequential, consequential region of the world. To do these things, we have to engage directly with countries that can impact those outcomes. Saudi Arabia is one of them, and when I meet with Saudi leaders, my aim will be to strengthen a strategic partnership going forward that's based on mutual interests and responsibilities, while also holding true to fundamental American values. Okay. Let's unpack all that stuff that his staff wrote for him in that op-ed. Joining me now with Reaction, publisher of the New York Sun, David Afoon. David, good to see you. Pleasure to be with you, Buck. Let's just, uh, if we can, start with the, the stop in Israel. The new prime minister, the new situation over there, and how Biden so far is doing from the Israeli perspective. What would you say? Well, look, uh, there's no question that it's uh, a big step back from how things were going under the previous administration from the Israeli perspective. Um, having said that, it doesn't seem they paid a great deal of attention to the issue. Interestingly, there is a lot of political turmoil in Israel, and there are a lot of sort of side issues that are going on. Certainly, Biden's interest in Saudi Arabia and in raising the production of oil. But there is one massive elephant in the room, and that's an elephant that everybody in Israel is aligned on, you know, from the right to the left, all the different prime ministers and political parties, there's very little deviance on this issue, and that's the Iranian nuclear threat. And I think that's where Biden is gonna hit the, the harsh rocks of the Middle East reality, because the way that they are dealing with the Iranian docket is, uh, let's just say, insane in the view of both the Israelis and the Saudis. Can you, can you dive into that first a little bit, David? What has the Biden administration done? Because, you know, the only foreign policy issue that really gets any attention these days in the media is obviously the Ukraine-Russia war. What has the Biden policy been toward Iran, toward the mullahs? Well, just so you know, you know, there were reports the other day that Iran is starting to arm... Um, uh, the Russians and provide, you know, drones and, and upgraded drone technology. So it's not <laughs> unconnected, it's not unrelated. And obviously, you know, the price of gas and the impact that the war has and the ability that the Saudis have to to uh, create some relief globally is all sort of very intimately intertwined. But in terms of what the administration has been doing, I mean, they seem to be hell-bent on reviving, reviving this discarded nuclear deal that wasn't great when it was first signed, was damaging when it was first signed. Certainly now, um, <laughs> everybody seems to have moved on. First and foremost, the Iranians, in terms of just ramping up their activity, first of all, their 
um, nuclear development activity, but also their malign activity in the region. I mean, you're talking about you know strikes on our allies in Erbil and in the UAE and in Saudi Arabia. You're talking about harassment of U.S. vessels. I mean, the Iranians have just ratcheted up any negative activity that we've seen. And you know, the Biden administration just is hanging on to this deal and just saying, please love us back, please love us back. It's time to move on, and certainly there's a, a lot of frustration and fear in the region over this issue. If the president has to write an op-ed in advance of a trip to Saudi Arabia, David, feels like there must be something up here. Well, why, uh, why is Biden so sensitive about this trip to Saudi Arabia that he would have staffers write almost an apo- a- apologia before he even has the trip? Well, look, Biden's in trouble. I mean, you've got the price of gas and the impact that that has on the economy. Certainly, that's the biggest domestic political issue that he faces right now. The Saudis, uh, besides for drilling in America, which is the obvious solution, but for whatever reason, this administration is hell-bent on avoiding that. So really, the only country that can make a difference are the Saudis. I mean, the Saudis output, you know, in terms of millions of, of barrels of oil per day is is far more significant than any other country besides the United States. I mean, they have the ability to turn up and down, you know, the, the equivalent of four million barrels a day. So that can make a real impact on the price of oil and the economic issues that Biden is facing. So really, the Saudis, in a way, hold the keys to a lot of the challenges that this administration is faced with. Now, when they come, uh, you know, the Saudis' response will be, "Listen, you know, we're happy with the price of oil being high. So, uh, and and we're really concerned with the way that you're dealing with Iran. So, it may be that these two agendas that the Biden administration has, you know, chasing the the Iranian uh, nuclear deal." and um, basically not allowing any drilling in this country are going to come into conflict with each other. So um, it'd be interesting to see what, what path uh, the Biden administration takes. And from Biden's uh, op-ed, op-ed published under his name, from the start, my aim was to reorient but not rupture relations with a country that has been a strategic partner for 80 years. Today, Saudi Arabia has helped to restore unity among the six countries of the Gulf Cooperation Council and is now working with my experts to help stabilize oil markets with other OPEC producers. I know that there are many who disagree with my decision to travel to Saudi Arabia. My views on human rights are clear and long-standing, and fundamental freedoms are always on the agenda when I travel abroad. Okay, but I mean, I remember, David, when under the Trump administration, anything short of a, of a, a total diplomatic freeze because of the Jamal Khashoggi incident was proof that Trump wasn't only in Russia's pocket, he was in the Saudis' pocket, too. So now Biden goes over there, and I guess most of the Democrats, in the media at least, are going to say, well, you know, it's important, so he's got to go. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the case. I mean, Saudi Arabia is definitely not the paragon of human rights, um, as is the case with most in the region. It's true that Saudis seem to be headed in the right direction, as opposed to the Iranians that are you know, running at 60 miles an hour in the other direction. Um, having said that, you know, it doesn't mean um, that we're excusing it. They happen to be a very important strategic ally for the United States. And uh, it affects, uh, you know, our national security. It affects the national security of our allies. And, uh, you know, they hold the key to, to some of the fundamental issues that are facing our country. Um, the Saudis uh, are not going to be flattered by that kind language and, you know, whatever 
um, flowery, um, you know, outreach the Biden administration or Biden himself is publishing in the Washington Post, you know, they're going to want, you know, solid, concrete guarantees. You know, their security is at risk. You know, the future stability of their country is at risk. You know, they're looking at the region and they're seeing Iraq being overrun by the Iranians. They're seeing um, Yemen, of course, and they're trying to fight back against that. I mean, there are threats in other countries, including uh, Bahrain. Certainly Lebanon is under the sway of the Iranians. Syria is under the sway of the Iranians. So there is a, a noose that's tightening around them. Um, and therein obviously presents also a great deal of alignment, not just with the West, but you know, with with Israel as well. And, uh, you know, we've seen some talks today that there may be some advancement in terms of Israeli-Saudi relations. So, you know, I think this is going to boil down to a really hard-nosed discussion. Uh, we can help you, but we have fundamental existential threats on our doorstep, and you need to take them seriously. And you need to reconsider your whole approach to Iran. David, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure, but. Hawaii Senator Hirono insists that it's ridiculous to refer to the Founding Fathers when interpreting the Constitution that they wrote. We have that story and more coming up in Quick Hit. A Berkeley law professor calls Senator Josh Hawley transphobic during a testy Senate hearing exchange, and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot compares overturning Roe to slavery. Oh, gosh. All right, we got a bunch of things to get to here in Quick Hits. Uh, let's just say, as we're going to lean into this one, there are a lot of very dumb people in Congress. It's unfortunate, but it's true. It's a remarkable thing to be likely the single dumbest member of the entire United States Congress. But Maisie Hirono is a strong contender for that role, that uh, award, if you will, the single dumb, dumbest member of the United States Congress. Here she is, the senator from Hawaii, insisting that it is ridiculous to refer to the Founding Fathers when interpreting the Constitution that they wrote. Watch. Originalism, they, uh, the justices who take that approach go all the way back to our Founding Fathers and pretend that they know what our Founding Fathers meant when they drafted the Constitution. I use the word pretend because who the heck would, should, would, would know what our founding fathers meant. Um, is there any reference to AR-15 rifles in our Constitution? No. Is there any reference to AR-15s? Let's just say there was a reference to AR-15s, but then let's say that they changed the name. Let's say somebody came out and they were trying to sell AR-16. Would that no longer? <laughs> At some point, you just wonder, how anyone could vote for Maisie Hirono and think that that was an intelligent thing to do. Anyway, here's the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, comparing the overturning of Roe to slavery. There's been some notion um, out there in state le other state legislatures that they are going to um, bring legal action against um, uh, health care providers and against women themselves if they travel outside of states where abortion is banned to a city uh, like Chicago or a state like Illinois. I mean, I have to tell you, as an African-American, what I hear when I hear that is fugitive slave laws like were back in the day where they're chasing people who are seeking freedom. It's the same kind of dynamic here. Wow. 
Yes, that's what they're saying. The ability to abort a child in the womb is like the basic human freedom of not being enslaved. Yeah, these are things the Democrats say. This was amazing today with Senator Josh Hawley. Uh, Berkeley Law Professor Kiara Bridges uh, called Senator Hawley transphobic when they were talking about abortion rights, women's rights. Well, is it really just women? No, actually, abortion's rights are for more than just women, the left says. Watch this. Do you believe that there, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can <laughs> so get pregnant. So you are denying that trans people like this? And that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no, they're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a you, lot just I know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Women can get pregnant, men cannot. They can try to tell us a million different ways why that's not true, but it will always be true. And then we actually got into this, the same law professor here, refusing to answer Senator Cornyn's question about the unborn having value. Watch. And do you think a, do you think a, a baby that is delivered alive has value? Yes. Do you think that a, um, a, a baby that is not yet born has value? I believe that a person with a capacity for pregnancy has value. They have intelligence, they have agency, they no, have I'm dignity. talking about the baby. And I'm talking about the person with a capacity for and pregnancy. And you're not answering the question. I'm asking, I'm, you I'm think answer, that a, I'm answering you, a more interesting question that, to you me. You think that a baby that is not yet born Let's say the day before this mother delivers, do you think that baby has value? I think that the person with the capacity for pregnancy has value and they, have the, they should have the ability to control what happens to their lives. The person who has the ability to have a pregnancy should be able to control. Notice the, the pro-abortion advocates, they don't even speak in, in plain English. It's always this circular, a person with a possible capacity for maybe having children. It's, not, it's called a woman. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.